Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Pump Thick, everybody. I'm Jared Bailey. Join me today from SB Nation. It's my good friend JP Acosta. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Always fun to be on the show. Talk some ball. Got a, got a pretty good one today. I was excited when you sent me the topic. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if you didn't read the uh, description and, you know, however you're watching this or listening to it. So JP and I each prepped three bold offseason predictions that we think will happen around the league. We will kind of pitter-patter off of one another, and uh, it'll lead to some fun, engaging discussions. So I will let you lead off with your first prediction. All right, so my first prediction is the Las Vegas Raiders sign Jacoby Brissett, then pick up the quarterback of the future in the NFL draft. So the reason, reason I said this is mainly because I think Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler want to go about team building in a completely different way than we've thought going into the season. Yes, they have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, but they are still almost pushing the cap a little bit. Like they're still they still gotta pay all those guys and there's they're really pushing the cap. So a trade for Aaron Rodgers might not be make the most sense. And if that's not happening, then why not? They have the seventh pick in the draft. You could have one of those top four guys fall to you at seven. And you might as well pull the trigger and start the reset. And the best thing that you can do for a young quarterback is surround him with playmakers and play calling. And that's what the Raiders will have already in place. They have Josh McDaniels, who will, who is a, still a very good play caller. And then they just went and got Scott Turner this year, who will add some new ideas into that offense. And then, of course, you have Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, those guys will make any young quarterback look great. So I definitely think going out and getting Jacoby Brissett to be kind of the stopgap guy for a year sure. and handing the reins over to the quarterback of the future will be the way that the Raiders go this offseason. Oh, I muted. There we go. All right. Yeah, um, I did have a Raiders quarterback one in here as well. Um, I love the Jacoby Brissett idea though because if anybody's proven to be you know kind of like that borderline like lower level starter really good stopgap backup it's been Jacoby Brissett and we saw that last year in Cleveland um and a lot of people want to see him get you know some sort of starting opportunity and Vegas would definitely be and uh there's obviously history there with McDaniels from their time in New England so I could see that you know that being a little bit of a uh the, the past history coming in in terms of the relatability and familiarity Another thing with Aaron Rodgers, though, and our mutual friend Mike Tanier touched on this on Football Outsiders, is that the Raiders owner, Mark Davis, is like when it comes to like actual cash flow, the Raiders don't have a ton of it. So I can't see him coughing up, you know, the $60 million that's owed to Aaron Rodgers, even if they wanted to. And the, the issues that you mentioned in terms of being up against the cap and whatnot, I just don't see Aaron Rodgers ending up in Vegas. So I, I think that going about it the way that you're bringing up in terms of, get a stopgap guy that's reliable and then drafting a guy. I think that makes perfect sense. All right. So you want me to go my second one or you want to go your first? Um, I think I will go my first because it kind of relates to yours. So mine is also Vegas quarterback related. It is not Jacoby Brissett though. I'm saying Mac Jones gets traded to Las Vegas. Jimmy Garoppolo returns to new England. 
Hmm. That, ooh, I, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. I, just, I, see it. I see it. Yeah. So in terms of that, um, I think that I mean, we saw reports that came out saying that New England doesn't see too much of a gap between Mac Jones and Bailey Zapp. And when it comes to Mac Jones, I think that a lot of people might have jumped the gun a little bit on his rookie season. You look at the schedule that the Patriots played that year, they got a ton of breaks. Uh, if you the, the Titans game that year, you remember that game? They didn't have A.J. Brown. They didn't have Julio Jones. I'm pretty sure Derrick Henry didn't play that game either. Like they were just playing like the preseason roster of the Titans. Uh, the first game in Buffalo was in a wind tunnel and Mac Jones threw the ball three times. Um, so you look at everything that kind of went their way that season to help them get into the playoffs. And then as soon as they did, and it wasn't, you know, a trillion mile an hour wins in Buffalo, they got boat raced. Then this past season, um, he's briefly benched for Bailey Zapp, who in the games that he started played really well. And then the game in Chicago, Mac Jones starts off slow. Bailey Zapp comes in. Like, I think that started a lot of internal conversations about Mac Jones there. I just I don't see a very high ceiling with Mac Jones. Uh, he's not you know overly athletic, doesn't have a big arm. He's accurate and he makes smart choices. I think that's about you know the, the really good things you can say about him. Outside of that, I, I, I think his ceiling is being a middle of the back quarterback. And I think that Bill Belichick sees that too. Jimmy Garoppolo is his guy that he wanted to kind of take over the reins for Tom Brady. Uh, we know what happened there. You know, Tom didn't want him there. Robert Kraft made him trade him. Now kind of gets a chance to come full circle with Jimmy being a free agent. He's not going to cost a ton of money. Uh, I think that uh, this makes sense for everybody involved where Mac Jones gets to go back to the familiarity of Josh McDaniel's offense. Jimmy Garoppolo gets to come back to New England. And I think that all will be better because of it. I do like the idea of Mac Jones going back to Josh McDaniels in a place where some familiarity will help him out. I think where Mac Jones thrives and where he can play really well is in the intermediate short areas of the field where he can throw the ball with accuracy and timing. That's what he does best. That's what he did at Alabama. That's what he did his rookie year. And even throughout whatever we want to call his second year, he did that to an extent the second yeah. year. Now you surround him with guys who excel in getting open in the short area of the field, it makes sense. Like I was at first, I was like, okay, this is, this is a little spicy, but <laughs> it, it makes sense when you think about it. Like all the rumors about Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones throughout the entire year, who was the real quarterback one, who was the favorite among the coaches. It could be time that they just cut bait and move on. And it's also, you know, when Matt Patricia and Joe Judge are, you know, your co-OCs or whatever their job titles were, it, it is hard to kind of analyze how good Mac Jones could have been and is and what his potential could be when you've got two numbskulls running the show. And a lot of that does fall on Bill Belichick a little bit because he is the one who kept them on his staff and was like, yep, you lead the offense. And it haltered whatever, it put a halt to whatever progress we could have seen from Mac Jones. Um, I, I do think that there there's still very clear limitations on his ceiling, but I don't think we're going to know how high his ceiling really is unless he has you know somebody who knows what they're doing in terms of running an offense and calling an offense. So I think that this would be very good for him, and I think for New England, you get an upgrade at quarterback with Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, and then the next uh, call to duty is to upgrade those weapons because they don't have anybody on in terms of receiver that will really scare you. So that will be the next call to action is – getting Jimmy Garoppolo some weapons. I know that Patriots fans are 
Now buzzing about the possibility of them sniffing around Debo Samuel, I don't think that happens. Yeah, I don't think Debo Samuel gets traded at all. I, <laughs> there's, there's no shot. He, no. Is, he is dealt. Like he, the value that he brings to that team, he can't get traded right now. In terms so, of what they could add, it'll be you know there'll be guys in the draft because you know getting rid of Mac Jones and bringing in Jimmy, they're not going to have to get rid of any of their draft capital. Where they draft, they could get you know, whether it be a Zay Flowers. Um, or uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba, de- depending on who's there. So they can add via the draft. I know Bill Belichick has had very notable history w- when it comes to drafting receivers in the first round, i.e. Nikhil Harry. So at, at the same time, though, they need weapons. So that'll be that'll be the, the more interesting part after the fact is, okay, who do they surround Jim Garoppolo with? What is your second one? So speaking of weapons that could potentially be on the market, I think my second big prediction is that DeAndre Hopkins gets dealt this offseason. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of smoke around DeAndre Hopkins requesting a trade. Of course, the no trade clause has been waived because of the PED suspension, but I do think the the smoke that was around him wanting to be out of the, out of Arizona with the new offensive system coming in, with the new head coach coming in, I think it's time that he might actually want to be out of here. So I think with the way that teams have seen what the Dolphins did with Tua and going out and getting a Tyree kill and with what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurst and going out and getting an A.J. Brown, it's very worth a team going out and trying to go get a DeAndre Hopkins for a young quarterback or a quarterback who's still unproven to see how much that quarterback actually has and how far they can actually go. DeAndre Hopkins is still a really good player. It's still very good at what he does, and he can add a lot of value to a team and help a young quarterback out a lot. So it just depends on who's willing to give up the capital. I wonder if this would be a situation where he wants to go to a team that's ready for a ring, like a Buffalo, a Kansas City, or if he is willing to go to like one of those on-the-rise teams, like similar to how A.J. Brown did. He was the missing piece for Philadelphia, how Tyreek Hill was kind of the missing piece for, for the Dolphins and their offense. Um, I don't know what would be one of those teams that's like you know maybe just a piece away that if they add DeAndre Hopkins they're like okay we can uh, we can make a run at this. So I remember I don't know who had the report, but when DeAndre Hopkins trade requests trade no trade clause was still a thing, he was considering the Jaguars or the Chargers. I could see both of those. I would love if he goes to the Jaguars, being completely one hundred percent unbiased. Do not check my Twitter for that, <laughs> but. I honestly think a team like Chicago would really benefit from Mm. a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or somebody who can stretch the field on the outside and make those 50-50 balls kind of a 60-40 or 70-30. That's what DeAndre Hopkins does. In terms of a team that's potentially one receiver away or one skill guy away, it's difficult because I don't think the – Cardinals are going to trade him within the conference. No. I don't think they trade him within the conference. Then Now you're going over to the AFC, and you got to think about the teams that could potentially need a receiver who are one receiver away. Baltimore, maybe, if they want to give up some capital, if they want to make one last, hey, Lamar, here's what we're doing for you. We're going to go get DeAndre Hopkins so you can stay. That would make a bunch of sense. But I do ultimately think DeAndre Hopkins gets dealt this offseason. I love the idea of both char- the Chargers and the Jaguars. I very, 
I know that you have a little bit of a uh, uh, leniency leaning here. I would love to see him in Jacksonville, man. That would be Hopkins, Ridley, Christian Kirk is like the the third guy you can kind of move around. That would be they would be very very fun to watch. Obviously, the Chargers would be fun too. I think that they kind of are looking for ways to maybe cut bait with Keenan Allen just off of the money that he'll be owed. Um, I think it's after March 21st, his salary becomes guaranteed. Um, so th- that could make a lot of sense, you know, to kind of usher out Keenan Allen and bring in DeAndre Hopkins. That would be, it'll be fascinating to watch, but I love that that's your second pick uh, in terms of these bold predictions. Um, my second bold prediction is Keenan Allen, speaking of, stays in Los Angeles, but with the Rams. I think that you look at his I, – I just touched on it a little bit. You look at his contract, what he's owed, um, I think his salary this year, overall cap hit is a little bit over $21 million. It's only a little bit under $7 million in, in dead cap. So they save a, a good amount of money if they get rid of him. They can bring somebody else via the draft, especially where they're drafting, if they can get a hold of – you know, a Zay Flowers or Jackson Smith the Jigba, or if they want to bring in Josh Downs, someone of that caliber, or bringing somebody via free agency, they can certainly do that. I think Mike Williams has become the de facto number one there anyway. So when you look at his ages and his injury history, I think it's probably the right time to do it now. And then, you know, if you're the Rams, hey, last year you swung and missed on Allen Robinson, but now you got everybody coming back healthy. You know, Cooper Cup will be back, Matthew Stafford will be back, Sean McVay is coming back, a pissed off Sean McVay. Uh, to try to redeem all the wrongs that took place last season. So I think bringing in a guy like Keenan Allen, who I think probably come in for the cheap at this stage in his career, a guy who wants a ring, but still wants to contribute. Um, If they can get him on a rather team friendly deal, I think that that could help them out a lot uh, in terms of bringing in other guys around him, because we saw how the lack of depth really hurt the Rams last year and uh, bringing in a guy like Keenan Allen, who still got a lot of juice left. Uh, I think would be very good for the Rams. So Keenan Allen stays in Los Angeles, but it is with the other Los Angeles team and the Rams. No, I honestly could see that. I think the way that this Chargers season went where they just needed some juice on the outside. I don't think Keenan Allen gave them enough of that, but I also think Keenan Allen provides a little bit of value for what they still needed. And that's someone who can get open in the intermediate areas of the field. He's not, a outside receiver anymore he's a power slot at this point and i think that's still valuable to what the Chargers want to do but a power slot at the price he could potentially ask for might be the biggest issue i do think that he'll help the rams especially because Allen robinson was not great this year this this was kind of a if last year was the hollywood ending for the rams this was the bad sequel this was this is the sequel that everybody was hyping up and then just nobody it just flopped in theaters. So maybe going out and adding another adding a guy like Keenan Allen could help them get some more separation in the intermediate yeah. areas of the field. They would still also need some receivers with some juice at that position too. So it might be interesting to see if they do decide to go get Keenan Allen, if they go out and get another guy with speed, considering that Tutu Atwell just doesn't play. Yeah, so it could be interesting, but I definitely could see it. I also had when I was doing this, I had written down Casey question mark because I could definitely see a situation where he gets waived and the Chiefs just jump on it because he could be 
same some something similar with the Rams, where you know if he went to Kansas City, he would absolutely be the biggest name there. I don't think he would feel the pressure as much as he did in Los Angeles, though, because the the Chiefs just have so much depth at that spot. Like they don't have any A guys, but they got a ton of like D minus C plus guys that they can plug and play. Uh, Kadarius Tony taking a step forward this year as well. I think would definitely help take the edge off of Keenan Allen if he went to the Chiefs. So I think that those are the two teams that I would kind of pencil in as one and two on where he would go. Um, but the Rams just seems like uh, a, it just seems like a very Rams thing to do as well. Or as soon as like a big name guy becomes available, they're like, all right, yep, let's go get him. Yep, <laughs> we're always in win now mode. Go get Keenan Allen. So I could see either of them, but I would lean a little bit Rams just for this, you know, talking point at least. Your third bold prediction so my third bold prediction and this one is one that i've been thinking about a lot considering where the titans are and where they could end up being i think my bold prediction is that ryan Tannehill gets dealt before the season starts next year if you look at where the titans are in terms of cap space going into this next calendar this next nfl year they're 23 million dollars over the cap it's 29th in the league ryan Tannehill accounts for a $37 million cap hit at this point. He will also be a free agent next year. And he will also be a free agent at the same time as Taylor Lewan, Derek Henry, Danico Autry, Ben Jones, and Jeffrey Simmons, and Christian Fulton. Basically, the Titans have a lot of guys to pay, a lot of really good guys to pay. Jeffrey Simmons is going to get a lot of money. Derek Henry is still probably going to get a lot of money. And at this point, what are you paying a 36-year-old Ryan Tannehill, especially with where the Titans are, how competitive can they be in this AFC with a 35-year-old Ryan Tannehill? I mean, the Jaguars look like they are up next in terms of conquering the division. You look around, every team just has one of those guys at quarterback. And can we say the Titans have one of those guys at quarterback? No, their entire thing was built on Everybody else would be just as good to bring the quarterback up. But now they don't have they don't have that AJ Brown. They needed the AJ yeah. Brown. And Derrick Henry, like I said, getting older. It could be time for Tannehill to end up being traded, being shipped to another team just so they can get some more cap space, get some more breathing room in terms of going full on in a rebuild. Reminder. They did draft Malik Willis last year. And I know that was the GM John Robinson's thing. That was his pet project that he ultimately got fired over. But you have to see what the kid has at some point before Ryan Tannehill ends up becoming a free agent. And then your offseason is just, do we have the guy? Do we don't? Have, do we not have the guy for the future? So they could end up trading Tannehill and giving the keys to Malik Willis and saying, hey, if you got it, then you're our guy. If you don't, we're all in on the 2024 QB class. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Titans fans at least would be a little bit hesitant just on the whole Malik Willis thing. Be like, okay, if he's bad, then we're going to be, you know, a top five draft pick team. But the flip side of that coin is, yeah, but Caleb Williams is in this draft, Tennessee. And if you get a chance at Caleb Williams, you, you, if I don't like comparing guys to like superstars, there was one play that I saw somebody had tweeted out and forgive me for not knowing who it was. Um, but if you like took away the helmet, you took away the colors, you took away everything, you just threw guys out there, I could have sworn that Patrick Mahomes is the one who made the play. I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I'm saying that he is – all the hype around Caleb Williams is real. So that is something where 
one, if they rolled in with Malik Willis to be their starter for the year, there would be obvious growing pains, as we saw from last year. I mean, they brought in Josh Dobbs to finish out the year for them. So there was obviously some hesitation there. Um, in terms of where Tannehill would go, do you think it would be like this is more of an Andy Dalton situation where he's now just kind of a journeyman, not going to help teams compete? Or do you think he could be you know, on a team that is on the brink of like, okay, we can win eight to nine games with this guy and maybe be a seven seed? I don't think he'd be their first priority, but Todd Downing did just get uh, hired by the Jets. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they've had discussions about Tannehill and training sure. for Tannehill. I mean, if you think about where the Jets are, a lot of their core pieces are still on rookie deals. They don't mm. have to pay those guys until maybe 2024, 2025. Ryan Tannehill is a one year. Let's go all in and see what happens. Let's let's go try and win this thing. And if we don't, then he'll be a free agent. We go get another guy. We go find another guy. We go trade for another guy if we have to. So I think the Jets could be a big – that's the major possibility where if he does get traded, I wouldn't be surprised if it's to New York. But outside of that, it's difficult to see where he ends up going because how much – are you willing to pay Ryan Tannehill that much at this stage of his career? I'm wondering because there is an op there is a world where the Titans just outright release Ryan Tannehill because of the stuff that you brought up. Obviously, they would like to be able to just deal him and get something back for him. But if they can't and they decide, okay, this guy is worth how much money? You know, we we just don't feel like paying that. We'll roll forward with Malik Wills and just see what we have. I mean, you said New York. I'm not thinking the Jets. I'm thinking the Giants because if Daniel Jones is asking for forty five million dollars, I know I'm not giving him that. And if they decide, you know what, Daniel, thank you, but no, thank you. And there's a world where Ryan Tannehill is a free agent sitting there. Ryan Tannehill and Daniel Jones are basically just like, I think that Tannehill is just a little bit better version of Daniel Jones, where you'll get a little bit more in terms of the passing game from him. He can still move around a little bit at, at the age that he's at. I don't, I don't think it's what the Giants fans would necessarily want in terms of not having a long-term answer per se, but it's better than overpaying, you know, a middle of the pack quarterback and, Again, this is all if Tannehill becomes a free agent because if you trade for him, then you're taking on that big money anyway. So this is a specific example, but if Tannehill becomes a free agent, I think the Giants, depending on what the money situation is with Daniel Jones, that uh, could be something to watch out for. Mm -hmm. All right. My final bold prediction is, you know, I, I told you a different one at the beginning of the show, but I had a different one written down that I think is more, more spicy. So I'm going to give that one to you instead. Jalen Ramsey is traded to the Steelers. Now, the Steelers are very up and down when it comes to getting aggressive like this, but they have been known to get aggressive for really good defensive backs because they gave away a first-round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick in 2019, and that paid dividends. You look at their cornerback room right now. Cam Sutton is slated to potentially be gone out of free agency. We'll see what happens with their safety, Terrell Edmonds, who plays opposite of Minka Fitzpatrick. And is, I think he's playing on two consecutive one-year deals Terrell Edmonds has. So um, he'll be looking to get a long-term deal somewhere. Um, so there's a chance that he might not be back. They need some help uh, on the back end. If you have an opportunity to get Jalen Ramsey, one, they have basically two first-round picks because they have this 32nd overall pick from Chicago that they got in the trade for Chase Claypool, which any other year would be a first-round pick, but the Dolphins forfeited their first round pick so there's only 31 picks in the first round you trade that along with let's say i think they have the 80th pick you give a second round pick a third round pick 
and another piece to get Jalen Ramsey. I don't think there's too many Steeler fans that would be too upset with that, especially because they have the 17th overall pick. That kind of opens up what they could do with that. And, you know, if they wanted to go like some sort of offensive fire piece, I think that they would go ahead and do it. So, and it makes sense for the Rams too, because they get some draft capital closer to the first round of the draft, something that they lack right now. They've got a ton of capital on like the fifth and sixth rounds right now. But if they could move up and have two pieces inside the top 50 or 60, that's something that if you're Sean McVay, you got to consider doing. So Jalen Ramsey to the Steelers. What do you think? So this is really interesting. And the main reason I think it's interesting is because if the Rams were like, yeah, we want to get rid of Jalen Ramsey, that would mean kind of the end of going all in on this thing. Like yeah. That would mean like, yeah, we don't think we're going to contend after this year or something. That's That'd be really interesting. I do think with Stafford coming back, with McVay coming back, with, I think I believe, Aaron Donald coming back, I ultimately think Jalen Ramsey ends up staying because if you're going to go all in, you might as well still have one of the best corners in the game sure. still, still there. I mean, the biggest thing is definitely going to be cap and the price you'll end up paying for Jalen Ramsey if the Steelers do do it, but I could definitely see it for Pittsburgh. This would kind of be there. Yeah. We still might have some issues on offense, but we're going to turn every game into a slug fest and you won't be able to throw the ball on us. So it'll be, it'd be interesting to see him on the Steelers. I just don't know if the Rams are ready to throw in the towel on this going all in thing yet. Speaking of unbiased things, but don't ignore this flag. I've got no bias in this whatsoever. Yeah, I, I didn't even see the flag. I <laughs> uh, for the Steelers, like I, I think when it comes to getting a piece like Jalen Ramsey, like I said, it opens up what they can do with the 17th overall pick because I don't think that they would have to give that away to get Ramsey because they've got enough picks toward the beginning of the draft where they can give away you know, the proposal, the proposal that I gave. So if they're thinking corner at 17 – but they acquire Jalen Ramsey and you've got somebody like one of these top notch receivers still there. And you're thinking, okay, we saw what happened in terms of the AFC playoffs and the Super Bowl. We need as much firepower as we can get for Kenny Pickett. Go get one of these receivers and just load up. They have the ability to do that. So for Pittsburgh, it makes sense in that regard for the Rams. I get where you're coming from in terms of if they're bringing everybody else back, they may as well bring Jalen Ramsey back. Uh, the money is the one thing that I think would make this argument relevant for me. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think it could be uh, something to, to pay attention to. We've seen um, multiple teams like we, Detroit has been rumored to be interested in Jalen Ramsey. I think that there's been a few mumbles about maybe him returning to, to uh, your boys in Duval. Um, so we'll see. I'm excited to see where, uh, where Jalen Ramsey could land. It'll be a lot of fun. As will the rest of this offseason. We'll see how everything shapes out with our predictions. I did 10 of these, which comes out tomorrow morning. And if you're listening to this, it's probably already out on USA Today. So 10 bold offseason predictions. And that's why I wanted to bring in you, my friend, to get your thoughts on, on some of them as well. I uh, appreciate you coming on, buddy. It was good seeing you in Moby. I'm glad that we were able to do that in person. Awesome. Yeah, it was It was great. It was great being there in Mobile, being able to talk with everybody, and kind of matching faces with names. Yeah. Like, that was the biggest thing. Anything that you would like to plug before we get out of here? Um, just follow me at Acosta32 underscore JP. I do write for SB Nation. 
Um, just had a piece go up last week comparing uh, NFL draft prospects to things that had nothing to do with football. I think I'm going to do that again this week. So be look out such, such a fun read, dude. I love that. That was such a good idea by you. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do that again this week. And <laughs> then if people still like it, I'm going to do it again next week. And we'll just, we'll just keep going. So I'll just run out of things that are in my head to compare these prospects to. Fantastic stuff, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, before I let you go, uh, your thoughts on Elimination Chamber. Were, were you, was your heart about to explode out of your chest like mine was? I really thought Sammy was going to do it. I thought they were going to pull the trigger. Mm. And then Roman won. I'm like, okay. I, I'm cool with this. I'm sure. sad, but I'm cool with this. <laughs> That's the beauty of pro wrestling. If you're sad, but you're like, okay, I kind of get where this is going. That's when they have you ringed in. And this is the most ringed in I've been to a wrestling angle in a long time. Like, I, I was really, really ringed in during the Hangman and Kenny thing. Th- this definitely exceeds it for me. I'm excited to see what they do next. Um, this is like a... It's like one of those days of our lives episodes. We're watching mm. like a whole season of the shows my grandma and grandpa would have on their restaurant. This is like this is like like day, midday cinema. <laughs> it really wrestling is just, you know, grown men soap operas at the end of the day when done properly. That's right. Love it. All right, buddy. I'm I'm looking forward to you doing that piece again because the first one was awesome and I'm very much uh enjoying the work that you're doing. So Keep it up, man. I appreciate you joining me. And uh, yeah, follow JP on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Again, 10 bold offseason predictions going up on USA Today. Those should be up by the time you're listening to this as a podcast. Um, and then more mock draft stuff throughout this uh, point in the offseason. It's kind of the point where we're at, you know, getting ready for the draft, reagency. So keep an eye out for all of that at NFL on Twitter. Appreciate everybody for tuning in to the Pump Fake. We will catch you later on next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.